welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. We are continuing our series called What's Your Story? And for today's episode, I have asked uh, one of my pastors to come back. You, we had we've heard from my current pastor just a few weeks ago, but I wanted to invite Pastor Rich Schonert to come and share a part of his story that as I was watching it unfold, it was, it was really, really meaningful to me. So I've asked him to come and share that story. Uh, Rich Schonert was the pastor of Calvary for 24 years, and he was a pastor out on the East Coast before that. He's a dad, he's a husband, he's a pastor, and I am so, so grateful to welcome you to the show today. Well, thank, thank you. Well, thank you, Angie. It's a joy to be here. <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to say by way of introduction? Well, I, th- I think that covers it very oh, good. And Thanks. you're a grandfather. I am. Yeah. Nine. Wow. Yeah. And our oldest is getting married uh, next week. So How exciting. Yeah. It's a great time. <laughs> so why don't we just dive right in? So sure. the, the story of yours that I wanted to hear was you made a decision to step down from being the senior pastor at Calvary at a time that if you're looking from the outside, maybe didn't look make sense because you weren't really ready to go into retirement. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, what what were those first kind of inklings of, oh my goodness, I think God is calling me to this. Yeah, well, to put this into a larger perspective, maybe initially, you know, I think some people view retirement as the step before death, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) instead of maybe seeing it as an opportunity to do things, to serve others, maybe in ways up to that point that haven't been practical. Mm-hmm. So uh, an interesting thing in terms of our history as a, as a country, from the Industrial Revolution to about 2011, when Americans entered into retirement, it was basically a time to no longer be employed mm-hmm. and to live the life of leisure. But something very interesting happened in 2011. The second largest group that we have in our country would be baby boomers, those Mm -hmm. born between 1946 and 1964. And the first baby boomers in 2011 began to reach the age of 65. Today, 10,000 baby boomers are reaching that age every day. And of course, many are entering into retirement shortly thereafter. And I was basically part of that group, although I was born two years before baby boomers, that era, (laughs) and nevertheless. So I had to give this quite a bit of a thought. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting differences is that baby boomers entering retirement are no longer inactive or looking at retirement as this life of leisure where they hit a a white golf ball around all day or Mm -hmm. watch Judge Judy, you know, and (laughs) episodes in, in the afternoon. So they want to be engaged. Mm -hmm. They want to make a difference. Many of them then are entering into some type of employment part-time, not necessarily doing the same kinds of things that they were doing. Some, because of the lack of income, need to work. Others are just doing it because they want to give back. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of reasons. Now, for me, 
It all started in the summer of 2010. My wife and I went on vacation to uh, a lake cabin here in Minnesota. And for the first time that I recall, we had very serious discussion about my retirement. My wife mm. had retired the year before, so now she wanted to know what I was thinking about this. <laughs> and as a result of those days of interaction, I concluded before our vacation was over that I really did need to retire from Calvary. And it wasn't because, to my knowledge, people were upset with me, wanted me to leave. Uh, it wasn't because I had health issues. It wasn't because I was bored or I felt burned out emotionally. I felt that Calvary, to move forward in its future, needed a younger leader. Mm. One of the areas that Calvary has always given focus to is reaching families with children still at home. Mm -hmm. And that's been part of our growth ever since this church began in, in the late 1940s. So when it moved here to this campus or moved up to the other campus, uh, still that has been our focus. And so I just felt if this church is going to continue to grow, to have a positive impact for Jesus Christ throughout this area, it needed a younger senior pastor. So for that reason, and really that reason alone, I felt like stepping back. So um, I came home from that vacation, and within a very short period of time, communicated to the staff that I was going to be retiring, but not for almost another two years. Mm -hmm. So whether it was right or not, uh, the plan was to announce it about a year and a half, that is publicly, a year and a half before I actually retired. And then the thought was that the church could enter a search process. So by the time I was ready to retire, there might in fact be a candidate in place. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of several ways in which churches can do this. And it so turned out that when I announced publicly in January of, of 2011 that I'd be retiring the following year in June of 2012, uh, the church had a lot of time to do a, a pastoral search. So about a week or two after I actually retired, they had a candidate here mm -hmm. to uh, go through that process and be voted on. He was actually called by the church, didn't work out for a number of reasons. And so the church had to start that process all over again and came in with an intentional interim. But that nevertheless uh, was the some of the history here and how it is we got to the point of my entering into retirement. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line for me was the health of this church. And I, I mean, I felt that I felt this then, and I feel it now, even listening to you tell the story, how you loved that is loving Calvary. Well, and there's no pride in that. I mean, I think sometimes we can look at senior pastors and, and have preconceived ideas or anybody in upper leadership. But what you did was so humble and so loving to Calvary that that has always been what struck me about the decision that you made. So was that, was that difficult? I mean, was that, I mean, I know that's why you made it, but what was yeah. some of what was going on inside? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, as I got closer some of the the sense of grief was entering mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Retirement is a grief experience. 
and I needed to process that. I was aware of others who had moved into retirement, particularly men, and shortly thereafter, they became depressed, mm. and I needed to process this to make sure I wasn't going to be moving into that right. uh, mental or emotional state. You know, I, as a pastor, I, I try to communicate that we should be finding our value, our sense of self-worth, our security in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so this was kind of a test for me. Mm. Did I get my security and my strokes from preaching, from giving this church leadership for 24 years? What was it that was really the bottom line for me in terms of my sense of self-worth? So I went to a Christian counselor who agreed to meet with me for a period of, of time, and we processed a lot of these kinds of issues. So hopefully, when it did come time for me to retire, I was in a better place <laughs> emotionally and even spiritually. So that was very helpful for me. Thank you for sharing that, because I, I, I think sometimes counseling still has a, a stigma. Yeah. So I thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. I think that there are times through which, you know, we pass in life, we can all benefit mm -hmm. from Christian counseling. Yep. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. So w what was that like to not know? So you're, you've made this decision to leave, but you don't know what's next. What was that yeah, like? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because I counsel people now to try to have an idea in mind, mm -hmm. if you don't know specifically what your next step is, you ought to have at least some ideas on the table that you're giving some serious thought to. So, for example, I just returned from Ukraine, and while there this time, I had three one-day seminars with pastors who are approaching retirement. And I counseled them, you, you need to have some plan. Mm -hmm. I didn't. <laughs> so, so you're uh, trying to help them learn from yeah, your... Yeah, because I think bottom line is we should be ideally retiring to something, mm. not just from something. Mm -hmm. So when we're ready to move into retirement, we do have some ideas as to what we might want to do. They may get modified through different experiences, but still uh, something that is going to get us up every day to face you know, life mm -hmm. in the world. I did know, so I retired at the end of June in 2012. I did know after July, I took a month off. <laughs> and uh, the month of August, I would be preaching five times each weekend in a large church here in the Twin Cities. And I did that. But beyond that, I didn't have any idea. So just trusting God as to what this might all mean. As we got very close to June, I heard from the church back in New England that I had pastored prior to coming to Calvary. Mm -hmm. And this church was going through big time hurt. My successor there lasted about 20 years and then he retired and then they secured somebody else. They didn't realize it at the time, but he had mental issues mm -hmm. and they needed to ask him to leave. And uh, this was after he did a lot of damage. Several hundred people left the church. So the church was in turmoil. They needed healing. They needed somebody with some experience to come in. So they hired me to do that. And we were there for almost three years. Wow. Functioning as an intentional interim pastor. 
an, an interim pastor is somebody who basically comes on Sundays and preaches. An intentional interim pastor will basically do everything that the senior leader was doing. So I worked with the elder board. I worked with staff. I worked with the search committee. Um, did a lot with of stuff. With the intention that you won't stay. Correct. That you are yeah, not That was communicated right up front in my contract. I'm not a candidate. Mm -hmm. I'm here to get this church ideally in a healthier place, spiritually, emotionally, so that the day comes when they are ready to bring somebody new in. They're ready to go. They're excited about that prospect moving forward. Mm -hmm. But a number of things needed to get addressed during that period of time. So I learned from that experience there are some different skills uh, that are needed for an intentional interim pastor, and I loved it. I, mm. I found one of the great advantages of being in that role is that it, the church is aware it needs to make some changes. Mm -hmm. The staff knows the same thing. And so they're already in a mental state where they are open to considering change and once the leadership which isn't always the case that's for sure <laughs> yeah. once the leadership in this case agreed here are the five or six major changes going forward that needed to be made to get into a healthier position that gives me my marching orders and we could more quickly go about instituting those changes mm -hmm. so it was a joy so i finished that came back to minnesota and uh, within a month or two, a friend was asking me if I was free to consider doing this again for a church uh, in the Twin Cities. I did that for 13 months. Then it was a church up in Duluth and helped that church for another 13 months. So now I'm actually functioning in a part-time capacity helping a church in Rochester. Okay. And I'm enjoying um, some more freedom. Mm -hmm. When I finished the third interim position in Duluth I was wondering okay what am I going to do and for six months I didn't hear anything and that was kind of a downtime for me where I found myself reliving some of the pain mm. of grief mm -hmm. you know who am I uh, do I have any value um, does anybody want me does anybody love me well, you know six months is a long time <laughs> so fortunately uh, an organization that I'd worked with in the past knew of my availability and I'm enjoying helping out, but in a reduced capacity, so I have more flexibility with my time. Nice. And then there are also there's also some ministry that you did when you were here that you've continued to do, right? The ministry in Ukraine? Yes. Um, so in addition to serving as an intentional interim pastor part-time right now, because I have more time, I'm able to go to Ukraine more frequently. Mm -hmm. So... We are part, my wife and I, are part of an organization called One Challenge International. We are viewed as extended short-term missionaries. Okay. So we are able to secure funding, doing some um, uh, fundraising for these trips. And I go twice a year. I teach in a seminary, typically for a week, an intensive class for seminary students. And I conduct pastor conferences to train and equip pastors. One of the joys is I'm working with a mentoring group cohort that I meet with twice a year for three years. And I just actually finished one group, and I'm now starting a second group. So that 
gives me a lot of joy to go back and, and st- see friends uh, visit our sister church minister to seminary students uh, gives me a great deal of joy as well so as you were talking about that with Val having the opportunity to go with you it reminded me of that conversation that started the whole thing of you two being on vacation so what has that been like the two of you ministering together did that see any changes from when you left Calvary and going into this interim these interim positions well the ministry that she does is a continuation of what she was doing before so for 27 years now we've gone to Ukraine and she basically is doing similar things but a difference is this we had to learn as a couple how do you navigate this thing called retirement so we're not in each other's space Mm. because you have to be respectful of your spouse and the things that he or she may be doing in my case valerie had her projects the things that she wanted to do I needed to give her space to do that and not be under her feet all the time. And in a similar way, I needed to get away from her and find something to do that (laughs) would keep us both fairly sane. So uh, as much as it's fun to do things together, it's also uh, a joy to do things separate from one another. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for a a healthy relationship too. Mm -hmm. To both be using your own sets of gifts. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly, yep. So what have been some of the the costs of the decision oh, that you yeah. made? Oh, yeah, I think that there have been a, a number. And I'm, most of these, I would think, would be true of just about anybody who enters retirement. Mm. Maybe for a leader, there are some additional costs, like you're giving up the sense of authority or power that you had. For a lot of individuals, that's a big thing. It wasn't a... That wasn't a huge thing for me. For pastors who just love to preach, I don't particularly love to preach. I find it a very time-consuming task. Mm. I still get nervous, you know, before I (laughs) preach. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so some of that hasn't changed despite (laughs) all of the experience I I have. So it's not as though I, I have an emotional need to preach or to give leadership to something. I think a major loss for me that I had to work through with that counselor was, does anybody want me? Mm. Am I needed still to do something? And I think particularly for a lot of guys, that's a big issue. Another major loss for me was the loss of relationships. Mm. Um, I viewed the staff that I had hired as colleagues, as friends. And you realize, okay, I'm, yes, I'm their supervisor, but there are also people that I would hang out with, consider close friends. So that, that has to change so that they can bond with new leadership. Mm-hmm. So it was important for me that I disappear from Calvary for a while. And so it was a good thing, actually, that I was brought on to this church in New England mm-hmm because I didn't return to this area and to Calvary for almost three years. And that provided opportunities for the church and its staff to grow in new ways, to make some changes where that might be necessary. But I would say that was emotionally the most painful thing for me was the loss of of relationships. Mm 
So there are benefits, certainly, Mm -hmm. to retirement. I think a big one, and this spell uh, gets worked out in a variety of ways, is flexibility. It's it's nice to be able to say no. Right. (laughs) You know, to some requests that, like meetings. It's... (laughs) I love the staff, as I mentioned, but it was kind of fun not having to go to staff meetings. (laughs) I enjoyed interacting with the elders, but Mm -hmm. fun not to go to elder meetings anymore, Mm -hmm. go to business meetings anymore. So all of that, the flexibility that came with that was a real joy. And flexibility, not just to be able to say no, but flexibility in terms of the use of my time. So I was now freer to spend time with grandkids Mm -hmm. if we wanted to go for an extended walk during the day or sleep in a little bit you know (laughs) those are some great advantages so flexibility is a big one Mm -hmm. so you were talking about that the leadership piece and the preaching piece weren't things that you were necessarily going to miss but you felt like there were gifts that you used that you had for the, the purposeful interim so if they weren't like the leading and the preaching or maybe they were gifts, but you just didn't feel like you had to use them. Like, what are? It made me wonder. <laughs> what are the gifts that you get to use when you do a, an intentional interim? Then, well, it's the same gifts. It's okay. not that I felt I was emotionally driven okay. to do these things. So I don't financially. Um, I'm blessed. Okay, I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Another cost is a financial one for mm-hmm. a lot of people. My salary income got reduced 30 to 40 percent moving into retirement but it's not as though we're in the poor house we're able to get by with what we have and uh, so that's fine so I don't need to do this intentional interim thing for the purpose of having income it's something if I can still help a church that's in transition with some of the experience that I bring to the table that I'm, I'm wanting to do that. Mm. So I, it, you know, it's a, it's a real joy to be able to walk away from a church after you've been there for a year or more and to give back the keys to the building and to know it's in better shape than what it was when you started. Um, so there's a real satisfaction that, that comes from that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm able to use those gifts again, you know, that's fine, but I just don't feel an emotional need to do, to do that. them. Okay, that makes sense. Made yeah. me curious when you said yeah. that. <laughs> is, is there anything that we haven't yet talked about with your story that you want to make sure that mm. we that we do? Um, yeah, I think another part of the story, and this would depend on whether or not somebody is retiring from a maybe a leadership position from their organization or their company, or in my case, a church. I think it's you you have a responsibility to try to set that organization or church up f- for success going forward. Mm-hmm. To try to do whatever you can. Obviously, the new leader is going to want to move in slightly different directions. That's fine. But where the church, whatever you can do to address issues is going to make the church that much healthier going forward for your successor. So for me, that started with the development of a succession plan. I think a leader needs 
on from day one, whether they started in an organization at the age of 25 or 65, doesn't mm -hmm. make any difference. You ought to be working yourself out of a job. In, in one sense, everybody who's employed is in an interim situation mm -hmm. because you're not going to be doing that forever. So you need to think about what's the plan going forward to succeed for the organization. Uh, what is going to happen if, as the leader of this organization, I have a car accident and I'm killed? What does the organization do if I come down with a life-threatening illness? Mm. What if what if I suffer from some brain dysfunction, uh, dementia, or whatever? So all of these things were kind of spelled out in a succession plan for the church, as well as when this got announced, what were the dates going to be, how do we set up a search process, all of that was spelled out for the church. I felt like we needed to m make some constitution bylaw changes. Uh, there were some issues going forward. In some ways, Calvary, now a larger church, was still functioning like a small church. Mm. And we needed to make some changes in what the congregation does, what the leaders do. Case in point is hiring staff, pastoral staff in particular. We used to be a church that had to vote on all of this. And it there set us up. There had to be up. a search committee to hire anybody with the yeah, title there were, of there'd pastor. There'll be a search committee, but ultimately the church needed to hire every staff position, pastoral yeah, every staff. Every staff position, okay. And that set us up for some battles when that staff person needed to be removed mm. from the position because of inability to do the work that he or she was hired to do. So now the elders needed more responsibility and authority. So we made changes with respect to constitution and bylaws. And we made some changes in um, knowing we needed a full-time uh, pastor to do outreach, for example. Mm -hmm. We weren't able to completely fulfill that area of need, but we did make some other changes. I am a firm believer in an egalitarian approach to ministry that God gives gifts of leadership and teaching to women as well as to men. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important to me that some of the women who are in leadership in our church be recognized as having a pastoral calling mm -hmm. and that their title was changed. And so we were able to do that as well. Mm -hmm. As a woman in the church, when that happened, that was so affirming and so encouraging that that meant a lot to me when mm. you did that i'm tearing up just recalling yeah, you, well, and well, hearing you talk you. about it yeah it was thank important you. to me too and going forward I'm, I'm delighted that the church is still making those changes and so another woman recently received uh, a, a new title so mm -hmm. that's great yeah it was a very big deal yeah <laughs> And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about that change that happened under your watch of Calvary going from a single campus to having two campuses and the growth that came under your tenure as pastor. What I mean, did you leave feeling very like accomplished and satisfied and, and happy with the ministry that you were able to do yeah. while you were here? I, I did, but, you know, um, you always leave knowing there are other things you could, could have do. done. <laughs> <laughs> and 
One of the biggest challenges is what you just mentioned. We had plans from the uh, early 90s to be a multi-site church. Mm. And we thought we would do this by sending out a group of people up into the northern suburbs where Calvary had a major draw. And we were actually prepared in the late 90s to do that at uh, Chippewa Middle School. Mm. And about 200 people had committed to going there. And around that time, a church in White Bear Township uh, of the same denomination made it clear to us that they had some concerns financially. Would any church be willing to help out? We were planning on being multi-site, so we became multi-site by way of merger. Mm -hmm. And frankly, there weren't any books out there or blogs <laughs> or a lot of stories as to how this should be done. Mm -hmm. We made a lot of mistakes. And one of the biggest mistakes was, frankly, there shouldn't be any such thing as a merger. Mm -hmm. There should be more something like a, a compassionate takeover because there needs to be a dominant influence. Mm. And in this case, with two churches trying to find their way and to merge created all kinds of difficulties. And so by the time I left, some of that had been healed, but frankly, not all of it. So um, that was an issue going forward. Mm -hmm. And there were others, but did I basically feel good about things? Yes. When I started Easter Sunday, 1988 I think the total attendance was about 450 oh, wow. and by the time we left as a result of becoming multi-site and other things we did um, the church grew to the point where it was pretty close to 2000 so um, you know grateful under God for the growth that came and that and to be able to say that because I wasn't the focus of this church mm. There are other churches that are very senior pastor oriented and everything kind of depends on the vision, the preaching of its senior pastor. And this church had a very different story to tell. And so I was grateful to be able to move away knowing that this church because of a strong staff and strong eldership would be in a, in a good place. And, and we talked a little bit about how you had a long leaving that you gave a lot of notice for your leaving and then things didn't quite go as planned after you left what was that like for you I mean we've ended up being in a healthier place and had a an intentional interim that so I think we've come out of the other side of it but what was that like I mean because you had a plan and it didn't yeah it didn't work right <laughs> well actually maybe I shouldn't say this but I was glad that the plan didn't work mm. Because I do think the church is in a healthier place because it didn't work. It still needed some time mm. and to work through some things. And the fact that it had a year or so to experience the leadership of a gifted intentional interim was helpful. And um, by the time it was ready to call uh, the senior leader who said yes, um, I, I think the person we were able to secure at that point was a better fit, frankly. Mm -hmm. So all things put together, uh, I, I think God was in it, mm -hmm. definitely. And as a result of his sovereignty and his goodness and his grace, 
to this community it's in a healthy place today it was i was on that second search committee and it was interesting to see what we had learned about ourselves from that intentional interim and then the candidate that we ended up calling what what we were about and what he was about were the same we were about the same things and i remember marveling at i mean god's fingerprints were all over it and at the same time i think it's important that i was away from this church during that entire search and during the first year or so of of my successor being in place to allow him to bond and then I asked basically permission. How did he feel about my coming back and just mm-hmm. visiting? So I'm I'm his I'm his supporter. Um, I support the staff and what Calvary is doing, and it's nice just to sit in the pew and to listen <laughs> and to learn and to worship. Um, and to not have to go to elder meetings and business yeah, meetings. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be freed up from all of that and to be gone uh, to serve as a part-time intentional interim during those times where I'm called to do that. Mm-hmm. So what are things looking like for you today? You mentioned doing an interim in Rochester. Yep. And, you know, the the challenge with being in this role is it's going to have an ending point. Mm-hmm. And so you're faced with this whole thing all over again. What's next after that? And so I'm faced every time with the same issue that I experienced moving into retirement, not knowing exactly what the future looked like, but that's okay because I think God is in charge of my days. He knows how I'm wired. He knows if I can help another church or what the future looks like because he's ordained it. So um, it's a it's a faith-building, faith-stretching opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you continue your work in Ukraine yes. as well. And I should add another th- thing that involves some of my time is I serve on the board of directors of a ministry called Reed Ministries mm. stands for um, resourcing for evangelism and discipleship, and we're involved in eight former Soviet Union countries, resourcing leaders and seminaries and Bible colleges. And uh, it's a joy to serve on that board and give that some leadership as well. Well, and I'll make sure that information is in the show notes too. And what was the the ministry that you and Val work with going over to the Ukraine? Yeah, One Challenge International. Okay. I'll put links and everything in well, the thank you. show notes. Yeah, That'd be great. People want to look at that. I don't think I told you this ahead of time. There are two questions I ask all my guests. <laughs> so if you need a minute to think about your <clears throat> answers. The podcast is called Retreat House. So I ask all my guests, how do you retreat? What does that look like? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does retreat look like to you? I'm a scheduled guy. I am very detailed. I plan out everything. So I think it's important. What does retreat look like for me? It involves some physical exercise to try to keep myself in some degree of, you know, physical health and Mm -hmm. shape. So I think that's important. Spending time with God every day. Mm -hmm. How I go about doing it may differ from a lot of others because it's pretty uh, scheduled organized Mm -hmm. but it it works for me Mm -hmm. and i think the important thing is that you find something that does work for you and uh, so retreat for me um, a daily time with god physical exercise 
three or four days a week, being respectful of a Sabbath, mm-hmm. and the whole notion of, of, re, of getting a, away from all responsibility. For me, um, that may be an, an entire day, or it may be, if you think of a day as divided up into three time periods, morning, afternoon, evening, so there are 21 units in a week that would be at least three units if not more um, that i'm retreating and just relaxing walking Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a dog and that means we go for walks (laughs) uh, several times a day Uh, i often do that with my wife Um, so that's enjoyable Mm -hmm. it's retreating so I think relaxing, unwinding, spending time with God, giving him the day, realizing that because of his goodness and his sovereignty, you want to be free and available for any interruptions mm-hmm. in your schedule that maybe hadn't been planned. That's mm-hmm. okay. If on a walk he brings something, someone into your life, that maybe you don't even know and you begin to have a conversation, maybe there's a purpose for that. So um, all of that becomes important for me. Yeah, I ask the question because I think it looks different for everybody. Sure. And I want other people to hear, oh, I'm not, well, maybe we are weird, but then we're weird together. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads me to my second question. If you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? Oh, brother. <laughs> this time, that's when people usually need to think a minute about. Well, I think a lot of people think pastors are weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be one way of answering the question. Um, I enjoy theology. Mm-hmm. I enjoy reading about it, teaching it, discussing it. It may not readily be understood that I think I have a responsibility for outreach. So my wife and I recently uh, started a Bible study in our community. Oh, that's great. To try to reach people. So that's another thing we've been doing. So I'm this, tend to be super organized, perfectionist, Mm -hmm. and there's some good that comes with that and some challenges that come with that when you're working with others who are a little bit more spontaneous and a little bit more flexible <laughs> and tend to prefer to do things at the last minute, mm-hmm. drives people like me crazy. <laughs> so those are some quirky things about me. Well, that makes sense, too, that you mentioned some your walk being interrupted, that that would be something that would, that would not be a normal part of your day. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, just to give you a visual as to what this is like, when I was working here at this church, my door was basically always closed. Mm. I was on the computer working on a sermon or some document or leading in some other capacity. On Wednesdays, I'd hang a sign on my door that said, please do not disturb because that was sermon day. Mm -hmm. We have an associate pastor, or we did here for (laughs) all of the time I was working. His door is always open. Mm -hmm. So he was the extrovert, I was the introvert. We got along well, and most of the time, um, there were some challenges here and there because of our differences of personality. But um, I think God often wants to grow us by bringing people into our lives 
that are the polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story that I had watched unfold from, you know, as a as a member of the church, but to hear more of what was happening internally and behind the scenes really it means a lot to me that you came on and shared it. Well, thank you, Angie, and I appreciate you and what you're doing and the volunteer roles that you've been serving over the years and and finding your own niche, even in the ministry that you're doing right now. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm.